0: Hello, you're, you've tuned in to another episode of TWTFM uh, and me and Freddie are joined on our sofa by George Bader. Uh, George is one of the founders of the Compassionate Revolution and as such he's been uh, part of Extinction Rebellion uh, from pretty much the start and Extinction Rebellion, I think it's fair to say, have had a pretty phenomenal impact in terms of shifting uh, climate breakdown up uh, the political agenda. Um, so George, wel- welcome to the sofa. How are you Thank doing? That, um,
1: I feel very welcomed on the sofa, surrounded by rainbows, which is kind of appropriate. That's I think, the vibe uh, we want to give, yeah, a exactly. welcoming vibe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One, one human family, like the, I think the strange existential reality we're part of is such that either we move towards a very, very different world where we realize that we are all in this together, despite the unimaginable injustice and differences in the world, or we're not going to make it through this, you know. I mean, there's eco-fascism potentially, but given that we all desperately want to avoid
0: that, you know, this rainbow has to mean something. Grand, grand. So um, Extinction Rebellion have been running uh, a space very near our sort of big tent in the middle of Brighton, and there was a pretty impressive demonstration yesterday, and uh, a lot of theatrics involved as well there was a a weather forecast of the future and a giant um what's the word lighthouse (laughs) spinning around and everything the boat lighthouse yeah yeah i mean you guys have clearly put a lot of effort into it like why was it important for you to be in brighton at the same time as the labour party conference
1: first i should say that that you guys in this case was literally the Brighton team got a call from London saying, you know, do you think it'd be really good to do something around the the conference? They said yes, this was like two weeks ago. And you know, the tents, the space, this giant improvised boat, lighthouse thing, all of that sprang up in that time. Um, And it is amazing how this you know basically the big organising model or variant of it which mm-hmm. what yeah. accounts for the Bernie Sanders thing the Jeremy Corbyn thing etc we've also been using yep. um, and the result being that especially in places like Brighton where there's a lot of support mm-hmm. there are these you know now I think there are four Extinction Rebellion groups in Brighton and the idea is wherever possible for each of the local groups to kind of replicate the central structure effectively mm. yep. so they've got their own media messaging people their own actions people their own police liaison people etc wow. and they yeah. just made this amazing thing yeah. happen. So have ha- ha- sound system playing Greta Thunberg's prophetic words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's speaking the at the, the United Defense.
2: Nations, I think, today, on uh, climate right. justice. So it's just amazing oh, to show how uh, how far we've come in just a few matter of months um, to really getting the climate. Uh, crisis at the centre of the political discourse is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, a
1: year, a year ago, if you think it was what, you know, two degrees, maybe 1.5, but it was still a broadly technocratic conversation, yeah, largely about 2050. Yeah. And now, not just in this country, but across Everywhere. the world, it's mm. climate emergency. And and I think the the deceptive power of Extinction Rebellion is partly in the kind of peace and love way that we've been organising to try and create spaces that yeah. feel genuinely so nice and welcoming to everyone. Um, but also just this focus on telling the truth which sounds really obvious Mm. Um, but that is really huge in terms of the the climate and ecological story yeah we've had this basically sort of compromised version of, of what's going on which is basically somewhere between what the politicians and corporations want and what the ngos want and it's ended up for years being this basically increasingly untruthful story about what's going on. So yeah. actually going out there with the, the sheer yeah. stark reality of it has had a hugely galvanizing impact. I'd
2: love, to, I'd love to dig a little bit more into the nitty-gritty of how you managed to organize such an innovative and successful and global campaign. Um, but we'll do that in just a second. I'd like to ask just personally um, to start off with, how did you end up getting involved? Where did you begin your, your course on Extinction Rebellion? How did you get to where you are now?
1: So I, I feel like really... Lucky and privileged to have met Gail Bradbrook um, in 2015 at the Occupied Democracy protest in Parliament Square. Um, And we had like a long conversation between about one and six in the morning, one night surrounded by police trying to hold on to the middle of the square um, and the pieces of tarpaulin that supposedly we weren't allowed to have (laughs) as part of the protest. Um, And we got chatting and it turned out that we had very similar understandings of the need for... Mass global civil disobedience targeting centres mm. of power, um, and having been involved in a lot of, you know, climate activism and and other protest movements, there's a sense in which, well, you know, stopping this fracking site or you know this you know oil drilling project all of those things are important what many people are increasingly aware of is that it's the tens of thousands of things this is utterly systemic and yep. that well a lot of power in here is in governments and financial centers ultimately all of it is facilitated by government yep. it's because it
0: is legal and profitable to do these things that these companies
1: will carry on doing what they're doing until they are stopped
0: that's uh, that's really interesting to hear because uh, like sometimes uh We've seen messaging come out from Extinction Rebellion that this is a movement beyond politics. And I do sort of, you know, I, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one that, isn't it? Because, you know, the reality is that, you know, politics is, you know, uh, is all about uh, analysing those structures of power and having a strategy for um, twisting them or rebuilding them and that sort of thing is... Yeah, I, I saw you wince then when you heard the title. <laughs> yeah, I mean, th- like
1: this is where it's really important that I added disclaimer that I'm here speaking for myself course, as yeah. a voice within Extinction Rebellion. Um, <coughs> you correctly sent some evil wince because I, my personal opinion is that, well, this sentiment of Beyond Politics, which is about you know trying to build a, a kind of universal narrative about this need for transformation as a whole i think is a really there's a lot of integrity to that especially in a world that is increasingly kind of polarized between different sides bearing in mind that divide and rule yeah. has been the means of power for thousands of years that sentiment i think is an entirely you know valid and worthwhile one personally speaking to translate that into beyond politics is at the very least ironic given that what is distinctive about extinction rebellion is it is targeting absolutely yep. yes. the central government politics yep. that is facilitating this stuff and that's what's been so empowering for, for so many people I think um, but yeah so obviously how that how that relates to articulation with particular political parties is a, is something that needs to be handled with care yep um, but I guess the idea was that it's really really important that as m- <laughs> as wide a cross-section of people as possible, understand that the the survival of the biosphere on which we depend for our every breath and mouthful of food cannot be a politically partisan issue you know that this has to be something that we come together on Mm. Um, and even if you get the right rules in place because this implicates every single level of our lives everywhere unless there is effectively a a just framework for that transition that pretty much everyone buys into there's no way it actually works in practice even if you get the rules in place
0: Mm. but Um, I mean would you be able to have justice I mean you know, it isn't justice a partisan issue as well. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I
1: think we tend to experience it as such. And I guess, I, as somebody that grew up not political particularly, and 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 very aware of my early life sense that you know the independent newspaper was started when I was ten years old or something. Right. I remember, and I remember my dad sort of explaining that you know most of the newspapers are left or right, and this one is trying to be in the middle. And I remember that that small child going well obviously that makes sense <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. if there's this sort of range there's one side over here and the one side over here you know d- d- the middle seems to be the most appealing thing and i think also just the very idea of left and right wing you know as a metaphor that brings to mind planes birds etc mm-hmm. a you need both in balance and ultimately the wings without the body are pretty useless you know so i think I- there's a very strong sense in which in a, a, an informational context which is designed to confuse the hell out of people and yeah. um, that's made it very easy for people to tack towards the so-called center for the yeah, last yeah. 30, 30 years. So I guess where I'm coming from in all my attempts to communicate imperfectly from the heart on these things mm. is to try and portray all these issues as beyond, fundamentally beyond any notion of sort of extremes and left and right, this is just about basic, compassionate realities. Now, it does happen to be the case, in my personal opinion, and I think probably a lot of other people within Extinction Rebellion, that it happens to be that the parties on the so-called left, and especially since the you know, the, the Corbyn momentum insurgency within that major party, um, that this party represents a much more, uh, with much more integrity, an attempt to really tackle these problems at scale with a you know plan for national transformation with a much more bold, justice led view of, you know, our international responsibilities in the international sphere. So I think certainly I, I see my job in Extinction Rebellion's job is to tell that story mm. from the point of view of Basic shared compassionate values that people across the spectrum claim to hold.
2: And that Um, message has been so successfully transferred to so many groups all the way around the world. I mean, I was in Germany just a couple of months ago and I was in Berlin and I was walking down the street and Extinction Rebellion flags everywhere, like people, you know, campaigning out there. This is something that like is managed to enhance and, and really get to the core of what people believe all the way across the world. And it's a fantastic message. So I'd like to ask you a little bit about the organizational structure. Mm-hmm. You know, as I mentioned, there's like, I can't remember numbers. So it's like over 300 or something groups worldwide at the moment and like fantastic displays. Of, I mean, you look at me, maybe I underestimate that. I, massively. I think,
1: I think, I think it's more. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm sure I mean, it's many I more it's about 200 in England. And okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, look it up for so, um, yeah.
2: Like how how What relationship do you have with all those different strands of the movement? Obviously, you're based in London. Does that mean you are at the center where people come and ask you for help and advice on how to organize? And what advice
1: would you give to people out there who are
2: looking to start their own sort of uh, movements in the local area?
1: I think the main answer to that question, and this is part of the kind of beyond politics sentiment, is that many of us have, been experiencing lot, uh, have had experience in lots of different movements. And, and certainly my own personal take is that Most of the isms out there, whether it's anarchism, socialism, democracy is not exactly an ism, but all of these are very important ideas that have important things to say about the kind of world we want to create. Um, But what Extinction Rebellion is trying to do is make sure that we're not driven by... we're not we're not engaging with the moment based on a preconceived Mm. ideology but we're trying to bring to bear whatever understanding we have so that we can engage with what's going on as skillfully as possible and so we are very specifically a kind of experimental and iterative movement and one of the benefits of this kind of like tidal um rhythm that we have where we have you know these huge actions that try and bring everybody Mm. together focusing as much as possible on the center of you know the center of power in westminster and then you know pull back to the local areas part of that is kind of um, you know, building those local networks with new people that have come involved from that escalation but it's also so that we can reflect and learn lessons and try and do things better but i mean the basic answer to your question is that on a general level is that this movement is constantly sort of mushrooming Mm -hmm. uh, and we're always kind of uh, half a step behind trying to kind of keep up and work things out um more concretely, the answer that we we have two groups: one called the International Solidarity Network, yeah. and one called the International Support Team, um, and they both work in on the International Solidarity Network, especially on linking up with frontline line communities across the world, um, and they have a much more I guess concretely explicitly justice based narrative Mm. and the international support network is more about the practicalities of you know helping people trying to provide funds trying to share best practice in terms of how we've done things here and what seems to have worked and you know what needs to be improved on so it's very much about trying to trying to learn constantly and realize that we're never going to have the answers and we're always always going to have new challenges Mm. which require you know new new solutions as we go along
0: so Um, it's really interesting to hear It's one of these things because, you know, previously this morning we've had people from uh, Labour for a Green New Deal on Mm -hmm. and, you know, there's lots and lots that they're saying that, you know, it's the same as what you're saying. But one definite difference is that their thesis was that it was precisely by making it, uh, by setting up a sort of contradiction so... um, So, they were framing it as a partisan issue. They were saying, you know, ultimately the earth's not dying, it's being killed, and the people are doing it, have got names and addresses. And, you know, so setting up a them and an us was what, you know, they felt was a a more sort of effective way of mobilizing people and uh, maybe a more truthful claim about who is actually doing the sort of majority of the damage to the planet. You know, Is there uh, a tension between having a message that appeals to the maximum number of people and is very broad um, in terms of its values and reality,
1: basically? (laughs) I think absolutely yes, and I think so much, I mean, again, speaking from personal experience, I think so much of what is challenging in life is always about maintaining a balance between poles. And I think our tendency, especially in political in-groups, is to kind of lean towards the idea that well if we just get our side right then we can just push that forward and then it will work and actually I think we're always negotiating these tensions. Certainly what XR is doing in a sense is absolutely about that kind of, it is, you know, the academic literature is all about a strategy of polarization in a sense. And so the action that we're doing is about holding up an incredibly stark mirror Mm -hmm. mirror to the status quo, um, which implicates obviously especially those institutions that have by far the greatest agency in terms of driving this forward and you know literally hundreds of billions if not trillions of dollars a year of kind of manipulation via advertising political PR etc to make sure that people still have a story that is consistent with the status quo going forward Um, but I guess as far as possible well I guess we're all explicitly aware that there are individual humans with particular agency in this system most of it is about Institutional structures that no individual has particular control over, and it, you know it's almost a sort of cliche to say, well, you know, the CEO of a big corporation can want to try and be green, etc. And well, you know, there's occasionally an argument to be made to say, well, if we're green, we'll get more of the market share, and you know, you can make the yeah. business case for that. Generally speaking. Um, if a CEO starts pushing for things which are going to reduce the short-term mm. profitability of the company, then they're out, uh, you know, in yep. the next quarter. Um, and so, th- I think there is a, a very important sense in which it is these institutions that have emerged from the power system yep. that are driving this that need to be challenged very directly. Um, but I guess the, the kind of canniness of Extinction Rebellion's three demands is that we hope that, firstly, telling the truth about th- about this problem; secondly, the 2025 zero carbon Zero ecological, further ecological destruction target, is a maps on to the the actual carbon budget that we have for 1.5 degrees, or to have a reasonable chance of 1.5 degrees, um, but it's also. Um, you know so, so, that it, so it fits into the kind of existing government framework it's also even more important to say perhaps that the current reality is a crime against humanity yeah. from which hundreds of millions suffer that have done the least to cause the problem but I guess the the assumption is that that target and its non-negotiable nature means that the kind of transformation of the status quo beyond an infinite growth economy governed by the current institutions and power systems yeah. that simply cannot continue yeah, yeah. if we're to meet that target and the third demand is for a citizen assembly yeah. and right. to some extent this is there's a gamble there that, yeah. that the, the faith to some extent within the movement I guess behind that demand is that if you get 500 to a thousand people from across the wider society and this is based on previous experiences of participatory budgeting and involvement you know yep. um, um, direct democratic processes across the world yeah. contrary to the assumption which is that oh no well you'll just get get people coming in they'll be all racist and you know want to bring back the death penalty you know all these sort of cliches yeah, yeah. as to why you can't have real democracy all the evidence suggests that when you bring people together give them real Real evidence of what's going on rather than the Daily Mail you know, spin yeah, on what's going on. Yeah, people aren't stupid on. and they're
0: not yeah. mean.
1: Yeah, generally. Yeah. And actually, most of this is not rocket science, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the UNFCCC, the the governing legal document supposedly yeah. that should be making us do the right thing on climate change, recognises, according to basic legal principles shared in this country and virtue of where else, that when you cause a problem, you are then responsible for remediating that problem. And It's the very basis of our law that's in the UNFCCC. So when when people are presented with the reality of climate change, including you know, and the wider ecological crisis and the justice implications of that because the the citizens assembly is a citizens assembly to look into the solutions based on climate and ecological justice it's not just the the target itself so that when 500 to 1000 normal people are really given the information about what's going on that they they will come up with basic humane compassionate decisions and and where where this kind of links with the Corbyn project is that not surprisingly when the manifesto came out and said we think that getting the top 5% of people that have got inordinately wealthy of you know creating this fake money for, for 20 years and have got you know even richer post-crisis we think they're getting them to pay a bit more so that we can have functional hospitals and schools in a decent future we think that makes sense funnily enough quite a lot of people agreed with that and yeah. so similarly in a citizens assembly contrary to the daily mail frame which is you want to help the environment well that means you want to raise your taxes and stop doing all the fun things you want to do yeah. you know in reality that's not i think the way people will respond to it there is a sense that there has to be massive change otherwise we can't give decent future a our children and making sure that that is funded sensibly and i think th- the phrase that i would love to get out there as much as possible is a tax system fit for the 21st century yeah you know we're stuck with an old tax system of 1950s you know chemical poisoning farming system mm. and 1920s you know poisonous extractive energy system you know we need to move into this century and get beyond the the tragedy of the incumbents they call it yeah, you know, yeah. our dominant industries from the previous status quo tend to dominate Well, Anne Pettiforl
0: has just uh, released a book about this particular subject of how um, doing some sort got of... Got <laughs> Oh, yeah, great. Uh, there neccessi- there 20 pages to go, so I'm <laughs> show, ne- Necessitates, you know, moving away from our existing sort of banking system and mm-hmm. finance system because in reality, when you are stuck with that system, it's giving those m- huge banks... Uh, And hedge funds and whatnot, inordinate control. Um, Mm. So yeah, I think that's quite an inspiring message. Yeah, yeah. yeah, If
1: political power stops at borders, but can money can effectively leave a country and kind of play Mm -hmm. countries off against each other. And bearing in mind, of course, it's the same corporate forces in PR and you know the industries, etc. Play, you know, whispering the same things into ears across you know across the world, which you know to some extent accounts for why this sort of what. You know, history—if there is a history to look back—we'll see as absolute madness. It's basically every country has been going. Oh, well, the other countries aren't saving the world, yeah. so it's all right, we don't have to do it either. You know, I mean, it is kind of mad. It's bizarre. Um, it? yeah. But to some extent, because this has such enormous implications, it's why Extinction Rebellion didn't replicate the the very understandable standard approach, namely to come with a big manifesto that yeah. was about, this is what I need to do with finance, yeah. da, da, da. Because what tends to happen there, I think, is you get drawn into these endlessly complex debates yeah. about each of these issues, and then you lose the clarity in terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, the, the big picture. And so, so the idea is that the Citizens Assembly is a place where those kind of really structural issues yeah. can be addressed, hopefully from sort of beyond an ideological perspective. It's worth any also, bit, um, I was lucky enough to, to convene what we're calling the Exile Brain Trust, which is basically a bunch of really inspiring kind of um, non-orthodox economists and practitioners and all sorts of experts on this uh, on these related areas coming together to try and come up with some kind of blueprint of what a transformation by 2025 could look like and i stress a transformation plan rather than the because you know our challenge to anyone is not to say this is the way it has to happen and we're going to campaign on every single detail it's to say well here's a plan if you have a better plan you know let's let's talk about it but i'm of the personal viewers just personal here that to the extent that we can use the kind of open window of publicity To really try and seed these conversations about that the systemic aspects of change that need to happen that will help us move forward so that we can you know So that we're ahead of the game in terms of moving things mm. as quickly as the existential crisis demands. Yeah. Well, George
2: um, I'm sorry to cut you short there, but absolutely fun fascinating stuff Thank you so much for joining us uh, before we head off Um, Is there anything you'd like to tell people out there who want to get involved with Extinction Rebellion, any big events coming up in in the next few weeks and months? Funny, funny you should mention that um, so yeah so
1: October the 7th is the next round of, of international rebellion um, and it is really really important that as many people as possible that feel inspired to get involved ca- come and, and, and join that um, it, it's important to stress also that this is not just about people who are prepared to get arrested it is, it is absolutely the case that a mass of people prepared to do peaceful arrestable civil disobedience is the reason we have the leverage we have but that takes thousands more people who are supporting you know with you know bringing their voices and bodies supporting in the background etc you know look up your local group on facebook or elsewhere anything you can do to get involved and get your friends involved we understand the police are going to take a, a, a less um a, a less um friendly yeah a less a less friendly approach this time this time round. um but yes, yeah, so therefore, getting as many people as possible to to be that mass that shows that we all need this change and want this change, and um, that will hopefully give us a amazing. Chance. Thank you so well much perfect. for joining
2: us and fantastic work Extinction Rebellion is doing. Still a long way to go, but fantastic work and uh, hopefully we'll see much more of Extinction Rebellion uh, in the future. George, thank you for joining thanks us
1: so on TWT f- FM. Thanks so much for for having Cheers. us and and well done for everything you're doing with the World Transformed. It's a really inspiring space. Uh, thank,
2: thank you very so. much. Thanks. Cheers, thanks. man. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you.